You're still called to the same thing. God didn't change. He's still the same God. However, we see that mercy over and over and over again in the Old Testament. We see that mercy over and over again in our lives from God. Friends, God is not easy on his chosen people. His people are to be examples, examples of godliness. That godliness is supposed to be an attraction to the unbeliever. Wow, they got a different kind of life than we do. How come they make these kinds of decisions? I remember listening to the testimony of of a, a young man. He was an undercover police officer, so he had this long hair and he had tats on him and, and a beard and all of this, and he's giving me his testimony. And he said, yeah, I'm in my house and I'm miserable. My family is falling apart. I see this family across the street and the wife is loving the husband and the husband is loving the wife and the kids are being obedient to the parents. And I got sick of it one day. This is what he tells me. And I went over there and banged on the guy's door. And I said, I want to know what you have. And the guy picked up his Bible and said this, come on in. And began to witness to him. Would that be for us each day where we would have our neighbors banging on our door saying, I want to know what you have. There's got to be something there. That's what the believer is supposed to be. It is to be a a beautiful picture of what God has done in redeeming us. We have a relationship with the living God. We have a relationship with the Savior, and, and this is the picture we should be giving. We now enter into another illustration here of the chosen people of God. They are more concerned with self than with the Almighty. And folks, I hate to say it, but sometimes we are too. Sometimes we are too. This reminder that's here is a reminder of the infidelity of the Hebrew nation. And it should be enough just to have a rebuke. There should be just enough to have a rebuke for them to now get on the straight path to turn their life into the straight way. Yet men practice evil. Yet men practice stubbornness. We all practice stubbornness. I used to joke that it was only the Irish who were stubborn because I'm Irish. The Scottish and the Armenian and the Japanese. Okay, we can cover the globe. We're all stubborn one way or another. But let's look at the passage. Zechariah chapter 7, starting in verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to Zechariah. Thus has the Lord of hosts said, dispense true justice and practice kindness and compassion each to his brother and do not oppress the widow or the orphan or the stranger or the poor and do not despise evil in your hearts against one another. Devise evil in your hearts. But they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears from hearing. They made their hearts like flint so that they would not hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. And just as he called and they would not listen, so they called and I will not listen, says the Lord of hosts. But I scattered them with the storm wind among all the nations whom they have known. Thus the land is desolated behind them so that no one went back and forth, for they made the pleasant land desolate. 
This is a warning, folks, as I look at it. It's a, it's a warning. Let me tell you this story. Many years ago, I was with uh, one of our terrific missionaries out in, the, in their home, in their home nation, uh, where they were um, giving out God's word. They were raising three children. Uh, this particular night, actually, I stayed with them. So it was every night that I'm having dinner with them. And uh, we were sitting around their table, and their three or four-year-old was fussing. Now, I know you've never had children that fuss, but sometimes missionary children fuss, okay? They had this three or four-year-old. He was acting up a little bit. The dad looked at his son, and he said this, Son, obedience brings happiness, and disobedience brings consequence. As you would understand this, Three, four-year-old continued to fuss. Dad said to him one more time, son, remember, obedience brings happiness. Disobedience brings consequence. Continued to fuss. Quietly, the dad got up from the table, took his son into another, another room. Guess what happened? The son returned, and the dad returned, and there was no more fuss. He took the child into the other room and he kept reminding him and over and over during my stay there because as you would know, a three or four-year-old forgets the next day. And he says, son, obedience brings happiness and disobedience brings consequence. The consequence came, the son changed over and over again as we continue to do that. The Jewish nation, if you go back and you look at your Old Testament, and you read it from cover to cover of the Old Testament, you will see the nation of Israel kept going back, kept going back, kept going back and didn't learn the lesson. Friends who might stay with those missionaries, there are no more interruptions. We're able to have a quiet meal and to talk about ministry. If it were only that clear cut for the Hebrew people, The matter would change. We would have a different kind of Old Testament here. How many times, though, let me ask you this question, have you participated in sin and said, never again, I'm never going to go there. I'm not going to waste my time. I'm not going to do this. And guess what? Only the next time comes. And you don't count the consequence to that next time. Today, we have a similar situation. The word of the Lord came to Israel, obey, and God gives them two things here to think about, two facets to think about, two commands, if you want to put it that way, two facets to to this oracle. The first is this, is the call to obedience. God calls them to obedience. We see that in verses 8 through 10. And the second facet is the consequence of disobedience, and we see that in verses 11 through 14. So let's start in verse 8 here. The word of the Lord came to Zechariah saying, by the way, folks, this is the actual word of God coming to this prophet. Not like some male and female preachers claim today to have received a word from the Lord. They are liars. They are liars. They're charlatans. But this is the actual word of the Lord coming to Zechariah. Folks, they are the fakes of the worst kind. Don't listen to them. They did not get a word from the Lord. Zechariah is a, 
a man called by God. He's been called to bring forth his truth, God's truth, bring forth his word to the people of God, to the Hebrews. In verse 9, it says this, Thus has the Lord of hosts said, Dispense true justice. And I'm just going to insert something here. True justice could be true religion. True religion, true acts of religion. And practice kindness and compassion each to his neighbor. So their religion was to be a truthful kind of religion. In a sense, what Zechariah is about to tell the Hebrews here in this, the same message that has been given to pre-exilic prophets over and over and over and over and over again, one after another. These are the positive things, okay, of one claiming a relationship with the living God is to be doing. These are the things we ought to be doing. And I got to say, folks, to a degree, we have to watch what we do on social media. We have to be careful about how outspoken we are sometimes on social media. We begin to hurt our brother, our sister, by some of the things that we say there with regards to even debates when it comes to religion and theology and all of those kinds of things. You have a problem with somebody, give them a call. Say, hey, can I talk to you? Can I sit down with you? The social media stuff is, is going to hurt the church. These are the positive things that one who is claiming a relationship with the living God ought to be doing. God calls his people to obedience in how they interact with people. Would you turn with me to Micah 6, 8? And I just need to bring this up to you. This is a, an old uh, Awana verse. <clears throat> when I originally learned it, I learned it in the King James, but I do want to read it to you in the New American Standard. And in Micah 6, 8, it says this, He has told you, that is, God has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. That's what God has called you. When he saved you, that's what he's asked you to do. To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. That's the, the, the mantra that's been given over and over and over again in the Old Testament. If you're a Jew, that's what you would be hearing all of the time and all of the various readings of the scriptures. What Yahweh is saying here, it's not about the fasts, by the way, going back to Zechariah. It's not about the fast that you have, the four times that you have your fasts. What is commanded It's not the fasts that you have manufactured, but what I have told you to do. It's about justice. It's about mercy. It's about compassion. And it's not suppressing the exploited that's supposed to be happening. There are people who are exploited, and we're not supposed to exploit them. Our God has created all men in his image, and we should not be taking advantage of others. It's basically what is being said here. Justice, the Hebrew word here, denotes the rights and the duties each party possesses. We all have rights and duties. But remember that I said duties as well. Somebody's forsaking duties, they should have a consequence. The tasks of righteousness, the task of righteousness is to render to all parties consistently this justice. 
Justice is for all, not a select few. And if it's for all, then it's going to safeguard happiness, comfort, and security. The Lord is calling his people to practice justice within their legal system. This is an indication that the society in the pre-exilic days was a corrupt system. Why would God have to speak to the issue? Because they're not doing it. Why are you told to do these things? Because it's not happening. What was happening is the Jews were manipulating the laws. They were taking advantage of others. They were using this as a way of, of taking from others. Money, goods, time, whatever it may be. And, it, and folks, it was rampant. I remember when we did Habakkuk and we looked at Habakkuk and Habakkuk was saying, look what's happening in Jerusalem. They're taking advantage of one another, Jew against Jew. That's not what's supposed to be happening. That's, that basically was a way of commerce. That was a way of how they worked in the system. That's not supposed to be happening. As it says here in verse 9, it's true justice. This is said this way for a purpose. The purpose is this, is to put emphasis on it. It's to put stress on it. it. There is a need for actual justice here. And so Zechariah, or I should say the Lord as he's giving it to Zechariah, is trying to put an emphasis on it. It is not something that was to be claimed, but actually practiced. Now, we hear that today. We hear that from our government. We hear that from all over. Now, oh, this is the justice. We're doing this in the just way. And, and, I, and I, I get to wonder sometimes, it almost looks like a coup d'etat is happening in the United States. There just, just doesn't seem to be the right way of doing things. True justice here is not just ruling legal cases, although it includes that. But his justice is an attribute of God. He thinks, see things perfectly, right. And folks, if we're going to discern right from wrong, this is the place to start to discern it, is in the scriptures. God's justice or righteousness must be practiced, and it must be practiced by his people. If I am giving others an example of who Jesus Christ is or God, I need to be doing that, practicing that kind of justice. The word for true here has some implications. Uh, it has the implication of being a faithful justice or reliable justice. Faithful justice is the justice declared by God. Turn with me to Psalm 89. We, we see that here in Psalm 89. This is about the Lord's covenant with David, and we see it in Psalm 89, verse 14. And he says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. That's the throne of God. Righteousness and justice. Second part of that verse, loving kindness and truth go before you. Hased, the Hebrew word there for loving kindness that's what God is. That's who God is. And that's what we are to be towards others, is having that kind of justice and that kind of equity amongst people. Now, let's go back. Well, you know what? Never mind. Let's go to Jeremiah. 
Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 7. I want you to see something that Jeremiah has to say. Now, remember, Jeremiah is a pre-exilic. He's the, the, the prophet of warning. Isaiah is a prophet of warning. They're warning what's going to happen. And Jeremiah 7, starting in verse 5, <clears throat> he's going to talk about corruption here. He says, for if you truly amend your ways and your deeds... If you truly practice justice between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the alien, the orphan, or the widow, or you do not shed innocent blood in this place, nor walk after other gods to your own ruin, then I will let you dwell in this place in the land that I gave you to your fathers forever and ever. God is warning them there. You need to do this. Obey or there's going to be consequences. Obey, or there's going to be consequences. And you see that over and over and over again. They're being warned here. Those things, the inequities that are going on, are not to be taking place. Friends, those evil deeds were practiced, though, by the Hebrew people against the innocent and against the vulnerable, against the the ones that you shouldn't be taking advantage of. That's exactly what they did. Listen to this, and it's really interesting. The word here to practice kindness and compassion is only used one other time, listen to this in the Old Testament, to designate human kindness. It's only used one other time to designate human kindness. However, it is used nine times to designate God's kindness towards people. In nine other texts, this word is used. Always the kindness of God himself. Friends, as representatives of the Almighty on earth, we have a responsibility to display kindness in his name. Somebody says, thank you for something. Well, it's because the Lord wanted me to do this. Showing kindness and compassion is certainly not Old Testament experiences, expressions. They are expressions of a merciful God on Old Testament rebels. That's what he does, kindness and mercy over and over and over again. Basically, it looks like grace in the Old Testament. This is an expression of God's covenant love for his people. Justice involves right relationships of all kinds, but the outflow of those relationships is kindness and mercy. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 34. Here we are in the midst of giving the law to Moses. And our God breaks out here, frankly, in a terrifying and a blessed word, if I could put it in those terms. But in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, he says this, Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, that is Yahweh, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness, and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity and transgression and sin. Yet, yet, he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. He's still going to punish the guilty. Obedience brings happiness. Disobedience brings consequence. 
hands. I, it's so simple. It's so simple that that dad, well, that day when I'm listening to this dad give this to his son, and I'm, I'm going, yeah, it's that simple. It's that simple for your children. It's that simple for you. Obedience brings happiness. Disobedience brings consequence. Lastly, on this point of the dispensing of justice, kindness, and compassion is to be on our brother. Our brother. It is limited to those who are within the body of Christ because we don't have the resources to take care of the whole world. We uh, have the Deacon's Fund. By the way, somebody just gave a very nice gift to the Deacon's Fund. Thank you, because you must be an anchored. <laughs> but that's to help people. But people, people within the body of Christ here that need it. I remember the year that we had the fires and somebody lost their home. We were able to put them up in a home for a while until they got theirs rebuilt. Verse 10, let's go back to Zechariah. Verse 10. And do not oppress the widow or the orphan, the stranger or the poor, and do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. Years ago, there was uh, someone here, not here, here, meaning faith builders or um, doulas or anything like that, but there was somebody at the church who offered great deals on making money. Actually, they came to me, and they said, Bill, all you need to do is put in $25,000. I was wondering where I was going to get it. And he says, you put in $25,000, and by six months, you're going to have back $50,000. Wow, that sounded great, didn't it? Sounded really good. And I said, where are you going to get the $25,000? He says, I'm using my credit card. Because somebody had come to him, and he used his credit card. He said, that's stupid. <laughs> okay, and I, I can say that once in a while. My wife lets me. That's stupid. To take your credit card... Well, six months was up. And I asked him, I said, so did you get your 50000 He said, no. I said, what are you doing about the credit card? He says, I'm paying it off with my social security. I went, I couldn't say anything then. Couldn't say anything then. Folks, there are no get-quick-rich schemes. You, you can't get it like that. Somebody comes up to you and wants to offer you something like that. Say, na 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 na. <laughs> I can't hear you. I can't hear you. You know, I like those three monkeys. Somebody gave me the three monkeys. You know, they'll close their eyes and your ears. Say, hey, get, get that monkey out with the ear. Close the ears. I can't. I can't hear you. You know, the the oppression of people. You would never think anything like that would happen within the body of Christ within the chosen people of God. But it is. And this is not the first time. We've had people try to come in and try to get other people's money. You see, the where there is a lack of practicing truth, there is a lack of practicing mercy. Did you hear that? Where there's a lack of practicing truth, there is a lack of practicing godly mercy. 
The mercy shown here is, is men's mercy, taking advantage of others. They don't think like God. They don't think about the, the oppression of these people. They think about how they can better themselves. God, through the prophet Zechariah here, is calling his people to remember the past from the pre-exilic prophets and calling them to obey the future. This is what you need to do in the future. These are specific people mentioned here. The widow and the orphan, you need to remember these things. These are the most vulnerable to be taken advantage of. They lack resources and means to withstand the oppressor. I remember when we had a a widow who was here at the church, three children. Got her a job as a um, apartment uh, person there that could take the rent, so she had her apartment paid for. Then somebody came along and wrote a check for those children to go to our grace school over here every year. And that was quite a bit of money with no tax benefit because it's to a specific person, and they did it over and over and over again. That's the way you treat a widow. That's how you take care of people. These folks here lack resources. They lack the means to withstand the oppressor. The oppressor is going to take advantage of them. And these are the most vulnerable of people. Beloved, the 10th verse here covers all areas of human willful evil. First, externally, do not oppress the widow. And conversely, internally, there is to be no devising of evil, no making up of evil, no planning of evil against another. No planning of evil to take advantage of them. Let's see if I can talk them into this. Let's see if I can get them to buy my product. Now, you know I was a salesman. I was a salesman here. And I could have taken advantage of that when I was here. No, I didn't. I didn't want to. I didn't let that happen. I know friends who sell certain products that could be used by all of us. They do not go around and say, hey, would you like to buy some of this? No. They're here for the worship of God, not to take advantage of others. We've seen the call to obedience on the part of the prophet Zechariah. Now we'll see the consequences of disobedience, starting in verse 11. The consequences of disobedience. Verse 11 says this, but they refuse to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears from hearing? Are you serious? What a wicked and rebellious people. Frankly, this is the worst picture of a three or four-year-old, not like that missionary's child who did change. This three or four-year-old is unwilling to listen to his father. This is the one who sticks cotton in his ears. This is the one who escapes the room and says, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. I, I like to look at it, it's like the, give me in the Heisman. Stay away, okay? That's the kind of person this is. And, and parents, if I can tell you, you need to start to cha- train your children from a young age to listen. Because you know what? When they get to be a teenager, they will walk out the door and they will get involved in things that they shouldn't get involved in. So start young. But that's what happens here for these Jewish people. This nation here, they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears from hearing. In essence, they turned their back on God. 
God says this, I don't want it, I'm going to go somewhere else. Jeremiah 7.24, jot this down, please. He says it this way, yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked in their own counsels and in the stubbornness of their evil heart and went backward and not forward. You know, I, I think I'm going to put this on a plaque in my office. I'm going to have my counselees read that. Are you going to go forward or are you going to go backward? You know what? I think I'm going to do that because that's exactly what happens. Their stubbornness of their own heart. They know better than the word of God. They know better. This is a resistance here, folks. It's basically Zechariah calling them to repentance. Jeremiah calling them to repentance. And no, no, I'm not going to do it. I want to continue to do what I want to do. This is utter stubbornness in the face of horrific consequences. You know, I, I had the gospel given to me before I came to Christ. And I heard it and I said, everything that's there is true, but I don't want it. I'm having too much fun. I am so glad that God didn't take my life at that point. Consequence. This is utter stubbornness. This is complete willful rejection of God and of his mercy. Friends, if you're here and you're willfully stubborn against God, and you could be, by the way, you're willfully stubborn against God because you're not listening. You don't want to hear because you know there is a responsibility to what you do here. This is... Friends, this is not an ignorant, I don't know what you're saying, I don't know what you're doing kind of answer. No, it's complete refusal to do good, to listen to God. These are the steps towards destruction. And the first step towards destruction or refusal to pay attention, to listen. I'm not going to listen to whatever you have to say. I'm going to live my life my way. The picture that's given here, and, I, and we, we need to go back to that, the picture here, they turned a stubborn shoulder. <laughs> it, it's a picture of an animal. An animal that's trying to be yoked or an animal that's trying to be corralled or whatever, and it's turning its shoulder like this. It doesn't want to listen. That's the picture that's being given here. These folks who are agrarian society would understand that. This is an animal that's refusing to be led anywhere. It's a donkey. That's what it is. It's a donkey. The owner wants it to go one way and it's going to go the other way. And so folks, that's the warning. Be careful. Be careful. Hear the word of God. And, and, and I, I heard this not too long ago. At Grace Church, we have plenty of information, and maybe I even said it last week. We've got plenty of information. We've been listening to the gospel here for 50 years. Some of you have, okay? 37 for me. Hearing it over and over and over. Plenty of information. No, no problem with information, right? Bible studies and special classes and all of that. Then there's inspiration. The, the Holy Spirit, to, and we see others that are partaking in the Bible and looking at it. No problem there either, I don't think, at Grace Community Church. 
But here's where the problem comes. Inclination. I want to do that. I ought to do that. I ought to obey. No, no, I, I just don't want to do that. That's, that's hard to listen to that. And, and folks, in my particular position, I hear it over and over again. They may not say it to me in the office. I hear it when, yeah, we're still doing the same things. 20 years of a marriage and they're still doing the same things. Same things. Isaiah 123 says this. Just jot that down if you want to look at it later. With humans, corruption can be seen here in Isaiah 123. It says, your rulers are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and chases after rewards. They're running away from God. They don't want to do what God has told them to do. Now, the second step or the second facet is not listening. It's seen in the second part of this verse, and it says there, and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears. Now, I know that none of you ever had a child who would not listen to you, right? They always listened. Yeah, yeah, I could see. Alan's just shaking his head. His four-year-old, a three-year-old, isn't it? Or two, two. Yeah, listens all the time, though. Whatever you tell them to do. They'd never turn their shoulder away from you. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. I, I got to tell you this one story. My 15-year-old granddaughter, she'll, t- she'll have be horrified that I told you about it. So you can't tell her. She was trying to put her finger in a, a socket, you know? That's what she was trying to do. I said, no, you can't do that. No, I got to tell you, it was like 10 minutes of no. I didn't know about Obedience brings happiness. Not only that, but I was not her parent to spank her. And no, no. And so finally she looks at me and she takes her foot and she tries to put her foot in there. See, that's stubborn, turning your shoulder away from being obedient. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. This is the person who's putting their hands over their ears and they make noise, la, 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 la. I used that before. But this is the picture, jot down Nehemiah 9.29, jot down Nehemiah 9.29. This gives you the rebellion. It says this, and they turned a stubborn shoulder and stiffened their neck and would not listen. I mean, they got really stubborn. And yes, I do tease people because I have them sitting in front of me and they're stubborn and I say, are you Irish? And they could be Filipino. They could be African-American. They could be Korean. They could be anything. Are you Irish? And they look at me. I said, oh, I thought I had that excuse. No, you don't have that excuse, folks. That's the wickedness of our heart. That's what has to be changed is our heart. They physically turned away, and now their heart is refusing to listen. The inner part of the person, that's where we make our decisions. The imagination of our mind, our, our will, our motives, all of that that we talked about even last week, that's where absolute rebellion is birthed, is in the heart. And this act of rebellion speaks to a heart totally in revolt and mutiny against God. They went so far as to stop up their ears and 
they would not be disturbed from what they wanted to do. Verse 12, back in Zechariah. They made their hearts like flint, hard as rocks, and even harder than rocks. The flint that's mentioned there is an extremely hard surface. As a matter of fact, the word could even be substituted hard as diamond. Diamonds are very hard. Could be hard as a diamond. And if you have a heart like this, you will never be open to the word of God because that's called a stony heart. Stony heart. This is a description of people who do not want to listen. This is a people that is defiant to God. Beloved, from the beginning of the relationship of God to the covenant people Israel, they have a history of sin and rebellion and sin and rebellion. And then, of course, consequential judgment over and over and over again. The picture is is so clear. But if I may be so crass, if I may be so personal, how about your relationship since you were saved? How about your relationship with the Almighty God since you've been saved? Have you been stubborn, not obeying? Have you been turning away from the word of God and not doing it and wanting to go your own way? Has it been a consistent covenant relationship? Yesterday, I was asked to do the first um, message on the purity. By the way, we we may have an earthquake in November, so we may not have a meeting. I'm just kidding. (laughs) It doesn't seem like it's going to happen. But even there, it's a matter of wisdom, folks. Wisdom lives in obedience. Foolishness lives in disobedience. I wanted to bring that up yesterday. Now, why do I even bring this up? So that we do not become proud? We should never be proud because you know what? We can fail at any particular time. 2 Corinthians just comes to my mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You don't need to turn there, but it just came to my mind. And I, I want to remind you of it. 2 Corinthians 5, 12. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 10, 12. It's in there. Okay. It's 1 Corinthians. So it's in here. I know it's in here. Therefore, listen to this. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. I've got it all together. I'm a Christian. I've been walking with the Lord for 12 hours. You know, I'm, I don't have to worry about anything. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he does not fall. <laughs> That's the warning that, that God is bringing to the Hebrew people here. You have to be careful. Now you're having a temple rebuilt. The temple means that God is going to be in the presence there because that's what the promise was and that you're going to have the temple there for worship. What is your life like? What is your life like? You see, we must readily, and this is what I was trying to get across last week, readily be examining our hearts before the Lord. Take that time. Verse 13, back in Zechariah. And just as he called and They would not listen, so they called, and I would not listen. 
Oh, my word. Years ago, I was counseling with this couple, and they had a improper marriage. The husband was trying to win his wife to Christ, but she wouldn't listen to him. She would not submit. She would not love him. Eventually, she forced her husband to leave Grace Church, go to another church. And I remained friends with this man. She was not a member or anything like that. And, and we would have breakfast once in a while. And we'd talk about it. We'd pray about it and all of those kinds of things. Years later, the lady comes into my office and she says, you need to tell my daughter to not marry this other guy. I looked at her and said, wait a minute. You're telling me to speak to your daughter to tell her not to marry this other guy when you wouldn't listen to your husband? I think you taught her how not to listen. Am I correct? Yeah. There are consequences. Disobedience brings about consequences. And now her daughter's not going to listen to her and go do what she wants to do because mom never gave her an example of listening. And just as he called and they would not listen, so they called and I would not listen. This prophecy of Zechariah reminds the people that God did not listen because, not because he was unable, because they refused to listen to him. He's certainly able, but they did not listen to him. And folks, that's for us today as well. Please don't think, oh, this is just for the Hebrew people. No, it's for us as well. We need to be reading this and knowing this and studying this. This review of their stubbornness and their lack of mercy serves to justify God's discipline, for sure. God has consistently sought a covenant relationship with his people. However, if they refuse, God's not going to listen. It cannot be a one-way relationship. Zechariah 1.3, if you remember when we started back in Zechariah 1.3, it says, return to me, declares Yahweh, that I may return to you. He wants to return, but you have to return to me. You, you can't have all of these other gods. You, you can't be serving all of these other evils. Return to me, and I will return to you. Verse 14, but I scattered them. I, I, I have to stop there. I have to stop there, thinking about what's been going on the last few days or weeks or whatever. When the wind comes around here, I mean, it makes a mess, doesn't it? Uh, I mean, most of you have been to my home. I have a pool in the backyard. Even though I've got a cover on it, it still makes a mess in the, in the pool, okay? It makes a mess in my backyard. I'm cleaning it up all the time. It, it makes a mess. But that's what God did to them but I scattered them. And it was like a wind came through and he scattered them. They come back 70 years later, you know those lands that they had been farming? Guess what? They can't be farmed anymore. Now they've got all of this desert in there. That's what the Lord did. This is how, this is how consistent God is. Recently, there is a picture of judgment of God. That's what he's trying to give them. The wind comes in and scatters the people in all directions. Remember the first time I met a Jewish person who was from Egypt. I said, wait a minute, I thought they came out with Moses. She looked at me and she says, well, yeah, some of them did. Not all of them. Some were left behind in Egypt. She was an Egyptian Jew. I thought that was really interesting. Met her in New York City. 
Recently, this is the picture of judgment. God's going to scatter. Thus, the land is desolated behind them. And so I looked into this a little bit more. Do you know the lands in Israel were much more developed even in those days, okay? Um, that is pre-exilic days for farmland and all that, feeding all of the people. When they came back, those lands were destroyed. Prior to the captivity in Babylon, there were rich lands there in Israel. And they were settled by God's people and they were used to feed God's people. The land was left desolate, not only of inhabitants, but also of those who would care for the land because you need to have care for the land. And what happened is it went bare. Think about this. Let's say you uh, had nobody living in the San Joaquin Valley for the next uh, 70 years. What do you think would happen to those fruit trees up there? Or all of the other things? It It would become bare. It would be nothing become scorched. That's what would happen. This was part of God's discipline, folks, on those who did not practice mercy, on those who did not take care of the underprivileged. God directs them to be practicing those things, how? In his name for his glory. Gave you that example last week, and I don't know if I was complete in that example. I met a man who used to take clothes down to Mexico and give them away there, and then he said, I repented. I said, what do you mean you repented? He said, well, I was doing that for me and my name, but then I did it for the Lord and his name. He says, that's when I got saved. That's when I got saved. Friends, sin does this. It devastates, it corrupts, it shatters the plans of life. So many lives have been changed radically because well, of sin. Well, the entourage from Bethel, this is where the first part of that chapter start, starts off there in verse 2, was looking for a simple answer. That's all they were looking for is a simple answer about the legitimacy of fasting. They got an earful from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They still have not received an answer. They have not found out is there legitimacy to their fasting. But they have learned so much, much more. Give heed to the things of God. Give heed to the things that God wants you to give heed to. Listen to the word of the Lord and realize there are consequences if you don't listen to those things? Sometimes we perceive our problem to be one thing, as they did here, when in essence, it's really something else. It's their heart. They thought it was fasting, and God knew it was a heart not in harmony with his purposes. And folks, he knows that about your heart if it's not in line with his purposes. If it's selfish, if it's self-serving, self-centered. He knows it. Make sure, make sure that your heart is walking with God. Make sure you are in harmony with with our majestic king. When I started this study of Zechariah, I didn't know it was going to get so personal, and it did. It has gotten very personal. It's in my kitchen all the time. But it has, and I ask you to make it personal for you as well. Make sure that you're creating in your heart a heart that is pliable to the word of God, 
a heart that cannot be corrupted by the things of the world. And remember this, obedience brings happiness. Disobedience brings consequences. Let's pray. Father God, you are good. Your word over and over and over and over again speaks to our, to our person. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for giving us the living word, the living word that, that uh, creates in us those times of making decisions. Lord, I pray for the folks that are here, visitor, not visitor, people that have been here for many, many years, to make sure they take heed to the word of God so that they can give you glory and praise and honor for all that you're doing. I pray for them, even as I'm away for this next week. We pray this in your name. Amen.